The Savannah College of Art and Design is a major part of the fabric of Savannah. Yet the university has grown exponentially over the years, going from a dozen scattered buildings downtown and a residence hall complex near the Talmadge Bridge to a real estate empire with a presence in multiple Savannah neighborhoods. To hear many residents tell it, the school that started as a revitalizer has evolved into a gentrifier. Savannah Morning News reporter Zoe Nicholson took a deep dive into SCAD, its growth, and its impact in a recently published series called The Art of Gentrification. She is today's guest on the Commute Podcast. From savannahnow.com, this is the Commute Podcast presented by National Office Systems. I'm Adam Van Bremer, the opinion editor at the Savannah Morning News and the host of this twice-weekly podcast focused on news and happenings in and around Savannah. Today's episode highlights a recent investigation by this news organization and the impact of SCAD's growth on neighborhoods in the larger community. Reporter Zoe Nicholson invested hours into researching the arc of SCAD's expansion and many more hours into talking to residents and others impacted by that growth. The series, along with a follow-up opinion piece, have generated quite a response from the community and fostered a renewed discussion about SCAD and its place in Savannah. Zoe and I explore the SCAD investigative series in just one minute. First, I got to tell you a message about the podcast presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Let's face it, when it comes to the office environment, we've all been treading water since the COVID-19 outbreak. We were at home, we were in the office, and we were at home. Now we're probably somewhere in between. I know I am a couple days a week in the office, a couple days a week on the, on the screen porch. It's all good. Anyway, now is the perfect time to freshen up your space. And the folks at National Office Systems are Savannah's experts in office design and outfitting. They work with top quality suppliers such as Dirt Modular Interiors and Herman Miller Office Furniture to create great workspaces. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys.com. Now, here's that interview with journalist Zoe Nicholson. Pleased to be joined on the Thursday commute by Savannah Morning News reporter Zoe Nicholson, who has done some work that has really been the talk of the town for, for going on a week now, and that's a piece looking at SCAD's growth and the impact it has had on the neighborhoods. And so I want to talk a little bit about the process part of this before we get into the takeaways. And there's been a lot of talk for a lot of years about SCAD, uh, their real estate acquisitions. To put it real, to put it bluntly, this stuff is out there. Mm -hmm. And it was something that a lot of people have talked about, but few people have taken the time to, to, as we say in the business, gather the string do the research, uh, match up the properties with SCAD, match up the values. And then also you took it a step further and looked at property values for neighboring properties to get an idea for what kind of impact it was having on on, on the neighborhoods in, in the neighboring properties. Is How daunting was it, was it in terms of a task to assemble all this? And just in general, if people, if Joe Schmo out there, a listener wants to go and, and do a little bit of kind of research like this, where would he or she start? Yeah. Um, well, I won't lie to you and say that it was all easy and sunshine and rainbows. There were definitely times where I had to walk away and go for a walk 
uh, I literally left work one early to go uh, walk the trails at Skidaway State Park because I needed to clear my head. Um, I think it's just because this, as you said, everyone has an opinion and a take on SCAD and their practices in this town. And a lot of times, like, it's gospel for those people. And there's a lot of rumors and everything that get mixed in with it that really make this such a convoluted task. But I like a challenge. And when I came here in July 2021, there were two stories I wanted to do as soon as I could. One was looking at how the arena was going to affect Carver Village. And that story came out in October. And the other one was about SCAD. Um, you know, even just visiting here for that interview, you can see the school's presence. Um, and so, you know, just starting it was really kind of congruous with getting into the community because you have enough conversations about Savannah's growth and about how neighborhoods are changing and SCAD is going to come up as part of the conversation, whether I ask that question or not. So the first few months I was really just gathering those threads and hearing what people out in the community were thinking. And um, in, it was either late August, early September, there was a protest held by the 912 Liberation Crew, which is a local, um, uh, civil rights activist group here. Um, they do a lot of mutual aid, but they also do protesting. And um, so they were protesting um, at Turner House, and then they were also at Victory Village. Um, they protested for four days, and that was kind of my first real chance to see how longtime residents of Savannah could interact with this student and parent population because they are kept separate a lot, you know, unless, and that's the way it is at any university. A student has to take the initiative to go out and become a part of the community. Um, so I really started working on this in January, um, kind of long-term, and I knew that in terms of documented financial and growth information, there were going to be pretty limited sources of, you know, non-SCAD or non-biased uh, sources. So one of those is one that I think a lot of people already know about, which is the IRS Form 990, which every nonprofit has to submit at the end of the tax year. And that is really <clears throat> detailed information on um, salary, compensation, holdings, capital assets, growth plans, um, and it also talks about what makes them a nonprofit and they have to basically advocate for their nonprofit status. And then um, I went and spent a week at City University of New York's um, journalism grad school, the Newark School in uh in January, and we learned all about how to report on fiscal issues. And so I learned a lot of tips and tricks there that gave me, you know, even more places to look. So one was Emma, which is this place, super exciting stuff mm. is coming here, but municipal bonds is what a lot of uh, institutions and governments use to fund capital projects. So Emma is the online marketplace where you're required to post those documents for investors. So it's basically an investor document, the docket that an investor will look out and want to know, do I want to buy these bonds. It's a, it's a perspective. Exactly. Um, and so there's a lot of really great stuff in there about risk and future and um, executive leadership decisions. And so that is a big wealth of knowledge. And um, so I got a lot of stuff from there. And then also um, public record, you know, to track 
when the school acquired certain buildings and where they were, what I would do is I pulled up the facilities list on SCAD and then I had the Chatham County Sages, which is their GIS uh, property. Wonderful too. Yes. If you guys haven't been on there, it's a great way to find who owns what, you know, how much people pay in taxes every year, all that. S-A-G-I-S. Yes. Chatham County, S-A-G-I-S. So you'll find it online. Yeah. If you're nosy like me, it's a great way to spend an afternoon. Um, so I would, you know, check <laughs> those. Yes. And see, you know, what was the, what was it bought for and when was it acquired by SCAD? Um, and so those three sources, I think, were my main document sources. And then I just started talking to people. Um, I wanted to make sure I got a wide breadth. I'd already talked to dozens and dozens of people in the community on and off the record about this issue, but I wanted to have a few people who could really exemplify the issue. And that's um, where I spoke to Reverend Leonard Small, who a lot of people might know about his work with the Weeping Time, but he lives in Bingville, which is kind of in the epicenter of SCAD's growth right now. And he's lived there for 40 years. So um, he's really able to speak to how his neighborhood has changed. And I spoke to people, um, Brooke and Jaquez, two people who they didn't grow up together, but they grew up very close to one another um, in the area around Jefferson Streets between, you know, 30th and 37th um, in those neighborhoods. Um, Just to kind of show, you know, what does it really mean on a personal... Put the human face. Yes, exactly. So that and then, um, you know, getting answers from SCAD was extremely difficult. Um, They denied um, my interview request um, and just sent uh, 16 pages of facts and comments about their role. So that's what I had to work with from them. And then um, other things that they'd already published or put out for the public. Right. Let's give everybody the broad overview. And I'm saying these numbers off the top of my head, which is always hard. 179 properties within Chatham County. I think the, the total, also including their other holdings, it was close to a billion dollars. So I'm guessing their Savannah holdings were more than half a billion dollars worth of real estate. About 800 million. And I would say about 700 of that is probably in Chatham County. Yeah. And when, one thing that SCAD really wants people to be aware of is that 179 is that's parcel. So it doesn't mean they own 179 huge buildings like Hutter Hall at. I don't know what square is that. Oh, it's on Bull Street. Um, but, you know, some of those could be three oh, small parcels. Madison Square. Madison Square. Sorry, guys. Um, three parcels that they combine for a parking lot. You know, it right. could be things like that. But, um, yeah, that's that's their overview. And um, I would say they've acquired, they've acquired about 20, 20 of those in the past 15 years. Right. And that's, a, and that's an interesting point because I've been here since uh, 1999. And when I first got here, SCAG was was very, their classrooms, administrations were very centrally located within the historic district. Their residence halls were on, on Oglethorpe Street next to the Civic Center. And then the complex that is farther out, Liberty Street, uh, to the west, kind of in the shadow of the Talmadge Bridge. And that was SCAD. And since then, we've seen them move south. Uh, you know, they now have a huge presence on Victory Drive. They have a huge presence on uh, Barnard Street headed south from mm-hmm. Victory Drive. So they have kind of uh, creeped right. uh, through the years. Yeah, and it's a change from restoration to new construction as right. well. And, you know, 
I would say a lot of that probably does come from there's not that many really big historic buildings left in Savannah to do that unless you want to clear out the asbestos from the old Sears building on Bull Street. But Somebody's going to do that soon. <laughs> right, somebody will, but it's not going to be scared. Um, but yeah, so I mean... Um, the old Candler Hospital on yes. Forsyth Park, which was a law school. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then, of course, most recently, we have the Chatham Apartments, which mm -hmm. were low income, were bought by a, another entity, uh, ostensibly unrelated. Yes. We will speculate on what was QR it? Capital. Yeah. And uh, so that, that company bought Chatham Apartments, uh, made arrangements for new living arrangements for the 250 some people there mm -hmm. once they get everybody out did a little bit of work it sells to scat so they they are uh i think i put it in a column that ran today we're talking on wednesday the 13th uh, an insatiable appetite for real estate and i think you hit on a key point earlier and that's the whole idea of they've moved from renovate to to new construction and we'll return in just a moment we're talking SCAD on today's commute, and the series of stories we keep referencing is available at savannahnow.com. While you're there checking it out, please consider supporting local community journalism like this by subscribing to savannahnow.com, the online home of the Savannah Morning News. That's where you can keep up with the local happenings, including SCAD. Right now, $1 a month gets you all access for the next six months. Go to savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up. $1 a month. Come on. Can't beat that. SavannahNow.com slash subscribe now. Now back to the interview with Zoe Nichols. Mm -hmm. The other piece of that is, is that as I put in the column, I said, you know, they went from this, 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 uh, having this focus on taking blighted, vacant, uh, needs a lot of TLC properties and improving them and really making them assets to the community and doing it very, you know, in this spot, in mm -hmm. this spot. So they weren't like, there wasn't an intense amount of pressure, but as they've grown, they started to buy up blocks at a time. They started to buy up many, many, many properties in certain neighborhoods. And I think that's where you've seen a lot of the pressure, which leads us to what was really the main takeaway of your piece. And that's the whole idea that they are a gentrifier. They went from revitalizer to gentrifier. And I'm going to be real honest with you. I, gentrification is one of those things that I have a, I have a hard time wrapping mm -hmm. my head around. But certainly in the whole idea of SCAD and, and the impact on this community, I think is a probably a pretty good word. When you mm -hmm. when you think about that, and I know that you as a reporter were probably like, how much do I differentiate this from this? But obviously you had the sources that would, that would back it up. If you started to, to find that that was the road that this was going, what what was kind of your thought process? Well, so, you know, just to be take it down to the very basics, the definition of gentrification is a wealthier class of people moving into a neighborhood and replacing a lower income class of people. So in, in the South and most places in America, that's going to be white, wealthier people moving into place incomes of uh, communities of color. Um, and that's what's happened in Savannah. Um, and it's different from revitalization, which SCAD says it's a revitalizer, but revitalization really deals with community planning and community uplifting. And, um, you know, I can't find in most of their construction, did they have community meetings or were 
are there things about this? I guess, you know, their, their perspective is their students and their faculty are their community that they're uplifting. Um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of what's happening. It's a microcosm of what's really happening across the city and across the Southeast, which is gentrification is not holy. It's not good or bad. There's good things in it and there's bad things in it. It's the symptoms that really, um, when they start to show themselves in a city, start to impact people. So one of the symptoms is forced displacement. You know, uh, your landlord can get two times as much rent from a SCAD student as they can from you who's working downtown in a kitchen. So they're going to up the rent. You can't live there. You have to move to the south side. You have to be poor, whatever. Um, and then there's voluntary displacement where your grandma's house has been sitting empty for 20 years. You don't live in Georgia anymore, so you can sell it and you know make a little bit of money and someone can come in and flip that house and make it a nicer place to live. So, uh, you know, as I said this today uh, when I was talking to a colleague about this story, it's people like to categorize SCAD and gentrification of a city as wholly good or wholly bad. Right. It's never, it's never that it's, it's a mix of everything. Right. And gentrification to me is really a, it's a place of balance. Mm -hmm. Cause I think there was a point where, as I said earlier, SCAD would come in and they buy a blighted building and it would make everything, everything around it better. Now it's like you said, we got displacement and, and, and really, you talked about race earlier in, in Savannah, particularly historic district, it's it's very socioeconomic now. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, the, the parallel for me is, is we had a column that ran this week in the newspaper by Bill Doerr, City Talk column, mm -hmm. that talked about what it costs for a 400-square-foot studio to run a 400-square-foot studio in the Great Tower. It's $1,800 a month. Right. Now it's been 18 years that I lived downtown in a 900 square foot apartment that was $425 a month. Right. So now Bill's point was STDRs and vacation rentals, but at the same time, while tourism has driven that up, so has SCAD has been a part mm -hmm. of that. And, and that is more socioeconomic, that is, that is middle-class people that can no longer afford to live in the city center. Yeah, so um, back when I was reporting on a low-income apartment complex, uh, Clearview, that was getting demolished and people were getting pushed out, um, I kind of did this math to show who are the people really being impacted by the city's gentrification, which you would classify as the working poor. And that's really anyone who makes less than 80% of the area median income, which I think works out to about $42,000 a year. So if you're making $42,000 a year or lower, you are the working poor. And that is, even five years ago, that would have been a great starting or mid-career salary for someone. Um, you know, now I make around that much. And I can't afford to live downtown and, and have the quality of a home and a yard that I would like. So, um, yeah, it's not just impacting, you know, the least of these in our society. It really, although they're feeling it the most, it's impacting, you know, everyone. And I think what happens when you drive people of different income levels out of communities, you create a homogenous block of people. And, um, I don't want to live around people who are all the same. That's kind of boring. And so you do, you lose a heart, um, you lose the diversity and the excitement and the grit of a community. Kind of like Charleston. Sorry, Charleston. <laughs> <laughs> so circling back to SCAD, as you, you mentioned that you requested interviews, 
SCAD kind of gave you the stiff arm, sent you a 16-page fact sheet and uh, some comments that included the fact that they take credit for being the savior of the city, which I think they can make that case. I certainly, uh, I wrote a column that said they were the savior of the city. And, uh, but at the same time, that seems a little, is narcissistic the right word or, uh, you know, authoritarian? It, um, what, what strikes you about kind of their whole attitude? I think they have a narrative um, that doesn't take in, it doesn't see criticism as constructive it sees it as an attack mm-hmm. um and so i think that any even if it's just a line of questioning and you know as a reporter i would hope that people would realize we don't ask tough or hard or what might be construed as mean questions gotcha questions right you know and we don't you know pull those out of thin air they're coming from our research they're coming from people that we talk to in the community um and it's a way to it would have been a way to allow SCAD to be a part of this conversation and to, um, you know, not answer, not defend, but kind of, I guess, explain themselves. And I just don't think that that came across in 16 pages um, of comments, but, um, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, I think, I think you know, their narrative is singular, and um, I think that they do a good job of controlling it. You have... Um, no student government. You have no tenure for professors. There's no research going on. Um, there's not faculty governance either. And uh, coming from covering higher education in South Carolina before this, those are the things that make a university a community in of itself mm-hmm. because it gives you can't have, you know, progress without that conflict, without, you know, those messy fights, you know, or, you know, more bathrooms at the stadium, right? Or something that people get up in arms about. And that just kind of goes into the work. We see it at city council all the time. You know, conflict helps places get better. Um, and so, you know, I don't work at SCAD. I don't never worked at SCAD. You know, maybe that's going on, but the infrastructure that they put in place does not allow for that type of free discussion. In a column I wrote about SCAD, I posited that, you know, SCAD has a chance here. People People want to love SCAT because they, they've been a part of our community. I think most people think that they have contributed greatly to our community. If only they would want to be a little bit more of a partner and a member of that community. And talking to a lot of the sources that you did, do you get a sense from them that, that they think there is any way forward with SCAD or are they pretty much resigned to the fact that this is kind of how SCAD operates and the rest of us are just going to have to live with it? I think... I think they're in your boat. I think a lot of the people I spoke to are like, you know, when you've seen nothing for so long, even just a little bit, we go a long way. So even if it is a forum or a conversation or a panel where honest discussions can be had or even questions can be asked of leadership at Sky, I think that would help. And then, um, but I don't think, I don't think it's, you know, a broken relationship. I think, you know, people have their opinions, but most people in the city, yeah, like you said, they love SCAD. Um, and, you know, there's always room to love something more. Yeah, because there is, uh, SCAD has done some things here and there that uh, kind of raise your eyebrows. I mean, they took a resident or they took a, I think, classroom building and made 22 low-income mm-hmm. apartments. Now, at the same time, they also took a 220-unit building and 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 took the people out of there. So that mm-hmm. does not seem as oppressive. 
as it would be. But at the same time, it it, it looks like it, at least they want to make some kind of token effort. Mm-hmm. The question is, are they going to take a step back and be self-aware enough to know that, hey, you know, these people's uh, the people that were mentioned in the story and the impact they're having on the city is a real thing. And I just to me, I don't know if they care enough. Right. And I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, I I don't I guess only one person can answer that. Um at SCAD, and that's what, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Well, maybe President Wallace will be on this podcast one day and answer that question. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll be front row. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath. All right. Well, Zoe, great work. Uh, thank you so much for coming in and, and doing the podcast. And uh, we'll look forward to, you mentioned there were two big stories on your list. I probably, there's probably a few more. So we'll wait and see what the next one is. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me. That's all for the Thursday Commute Podcast. Thanks one last time to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Before I sign off, remember that we publish new Commute episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Whatever your interests are, you will find interviews to match in our archives. As an example, our podcast earlier this week discussed the new football coaches at Savannah State and Georgia Southern. That's after having an interview with the uh, Georgia House representative, Ron Stevens, last week, SCAD today. We cover the gamut. If it involves Savannah, we're going to do it and and bring it to you. So search for The Commute by typing in The Commute with that Savannah opinion on your favorite podcast app, and that'll bring you up our library. You can just kind of scroll down through there, click on the interview that interests you. The Commute returns next Tuesday, and we'll talk to you then. (laughs) 